This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is the Humerian Health Podcast. This is Dr. Sean Benzinger. I'm here with Amy Baker. Uh, we are here today with uh, Dr. Deva Kalsa, who is the author of uh, Dr. Kalsa's Natural Dog, Holistic Therapies, Nutrition, and Recipes for Healthier Dogs. Super excited about having you here, Dr. Kalsa. How are you today? I'm wonderful, and I'm really excited about talking to the two of you today, too. Appreciate it. Now, we certainly know that um, you're author of this book, uh, you're a lecturer, you, uh, are, you write for many magazines, uh, you're doing a lot in this field, and it's interesting, you wrote a book called Natural Dog, which really does a remarkable job of spending its time on those holistic type of healthcare areas. So I guess the first question would be, what's the difference between uh, kind of a standard vet that you would go to and going to Dr. Kalsa? Well, holistic medicine is a different kind of medicine. It works with the body's innate intelligence, and it creates a wiser and smarter body. And that's how holistic medicine works. I mean, that's what makes it work well. And that's what all of our dogs and and cats need, because many of the diseases that they get, I mean, one in two to one in three dogs are going to get cancer. It depends on what statistic you look at. It's the most common cause of death in dogs over two years of age. All of these diseases are diseases because the body's innate intelligence, the body's innate systems aren't working. The body isn't being made wiser and smarter. So with holistic medicine, you're making a body wiser, smarter, and more able to fight disease and stay healthy for the rest of its life. You know, people know this. People exercise. People take supplements. You know, people use natural products when they can because they don't want to have heart problems or cancer when they're 60 or 70 years old. They get it, and it's the exact same thing for dogs. You know, when I entered veterinary school, there was really no such thing as holistic veterinary medicine. Hmm. I uh, actually got into medical school first, and I refused because veterinary school, I think it's still pretty hard, but in those days there were only 15 schools. I was from New Jersey, which only had 15 people allowed, like in Ohio or or University of Pennsylvania. So 15 people out of a state getting into veterinary school with everyone having 4.0 grade point averages was pretty hard. I got in the second year, but it wasn't there. So the thing is, I really wanted to, you know, be, uh, well, let, let me put it this way. If I wanted to, be, if I was go, had to become a medical doctor, I wanted to work holistically with people because people don't take care of themselves. Mm. They're not aware of how their body works. Well, they may take care of an antique car to perfection, keep everything oiled and greased and all the gears moving perfectly. They don't do that for their own body. So I was going to become a holistic MD, but fortunately I got into the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine the very next year, and I started. But by then I had become hooked on holistic. Now as far as veterinarians being holistic, well, there's an entire gradient of veterinarians. I have taken, I've traveled the world many times, met with some of the best, taken so many courses I wouldn't even want to list them, and spent most of my young days after veterinary school studying and studying holistic veterinary medicine. It's almost as if I went through veterinary school three times. And the double (laughs) time was the holistic part. Some veterinarians take one course in acupuncture, and that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Some take one course in herbs, and that's what they do. Some conventional vets are open to holistic medicine, and they do a little bit of it. Some holistic vets do a little holistic medicine, but mostly conventional medicine. So you have to assess your veterinarian. 
to see what they do and what they know. Because just because they say holistic doesn't mean they're well-versed in it. Gotcha. So you mentioned herbals. You mentioned acupuncture. If I was looking to find a holistic vet, what are the other categories of sorts of treatments or philosophies that I might find or want to ask my vet about? Well, the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association has a list of veterinarians okay. that practice holistic medicine. And afterwards, after their names, what mm-hmm. they have is um, the modalities they use. Okay. So, for instance, if an animal has terrible allergies, I do something called allergy elimination technique, and I do phone consults with that. And uh, people call me, and it's all done over the phone, and I get what I need from them to check out the dog, and then I send them a treatment for the allergies. Hmm. And it's, there's something called Nambudrapod's allergy elimination technique, and she started it. But then what happened was that branched out because it worked so well with people who were desperate and had very bad allergies. It branched out to allergy elimination techniques of various kinds and forms. Um, that worked very effectively. So if an animal had allergies, I went to acupuncture because acupuncture has to be done every other week, minimally, and it just palliates it a bit. Hmm. But there are doctors who are versed in Chinese herbs. There are doctors and certified in homeopathy. Hmm. I lectured at the first international um, homeopathic uh, veterinary conference at Oxford, England, many years ago. I was the keynote speaker, and I was also a professor, and I'm a fellow of the British Institute of Homeopathy. So I've studied homeopathy in great detail. And so many veterinarians can do homeopathy. There's prolotherapy, which is injecting of substances, um, to glucose substance, into the joint. Very good for dogs with knee problems, cruciate oh. ligament problems. Okay. It avoids surgery in 99% of the cases. Um, there are so many different modalities, ozone, IV vitamin C, wow. uh, Chinese herbs, okay. a standard process. That, you know, there's, you can constantly learn. I compare conventional medicine and holistic medicine this way. Conventional medicine is like a New York weedy lot. It has a few scruffy weeds and some broken glass, and you have these weeds to choose from. You've got antibiotics. You've got immune-suppressing drugs like steroids, Apoquil, right. Atopica. Right. That's it. Veterinary uh, holistic medicine is like a, a giant jungle and rainforest. It is filled with so many options that it's almost overwhelming, and it's so much fun because – when you find a good option, you just delve into it and you learn about it. And there's such enthusiasm in so many people in the field about really learning about this. And there's so many people interested in it that it's it's become you know a movement. And I think it's just great. Yeah, That's yeah. And I think it's going to grow and grow. And I and I think overwhelmed is exactly the term because you get through vet school, and it's no different in the medical field. You get through medical school or DO school or DC school. Truth is, you spend the next eight to ten years actually putting the whole thing together because the truth is, and that's only if you're alert and you're willing to do the research and the work and go to uh, classes and get more degrees because, hate to say it, but people are highly trained when they get out to do the basics. But to be able to do what you're doing takes years and lots of information and fine-tuning to be able to integrate it, doesn't it? You're absolutely right, Sean. That's absolutely correct. And then what, what's happening, too, and this is happening in veterinary medicine probably more so than um, than human medicine, but I have to say it, and I, and I say it with, with trepidation, but I, I do consults all over the country, you know, phone consults and all over the world. So I look at everyone's records. I look at what they're doing. I look at what's happening. And veterinary medicine has become um, a cookie-cutter corporate yes. function. Um, and it's, it's a totally different animal than when I first became a veterinarian. 
Now, first of all, when I first became a veterinarian, they gave you a job. They gave you a salary. I remember how offended I was because I never even asked how much a veterinarian made when I got out of school in 1981. <laughs> the salary was $19,000. Can you believe it? That was the going salary. Nurses made $25,000. I just spent all this money on tuition. I got to the hardest <laughs> professional school in the world, and I made $19,000. Oh but nowadays, goodness. you know, veterinarians struggle. And it's true they struggle because they have to keep a lot of inventory and the whole right. thing. But the thing is... They began working it like a corporation. So with computers, what you can do is you can take every veterinarian that works for you, and all the big corporations that own veterinary uh, practices do that. Now, I sold my practice to a little place called Healthy Pets. I had 40 practices. They treated me like gold. They loved me to bits, and I could do anything holistic I wanted. They couldn't do enough for me. They sold to VCA, which was a huge, the Borg, shall we call it. <laughs> and then they sold to Mars. Mars. Mars now owns all the veterinary clinics, which is I this huge food conglomerate. So what they do is they sit you down, and the, and the, the regular vets who have a decent-sized practice do the same thing. They sit down every veterinarian every six months, every four months, every three months, depending on the practice. And they tell you how much money you brought in and how much money you're making a year, and they tell you you got to make more money. They tell wow. you got to do more blood tests, more fecals, yep. more X-rays, anything. You got to make more money to pay for your salary. Yep. And uh, they want you to make they want you to make five times your salary. Okay. And the veterinarians aren't making nineteen thousand dollars anymore. You know. <laughs> so what happens God. is, yeah, it yeah, it becomes this it becomes this thing where they have to make money. So what yep. they do is they hand out all this stuff all the time. They hand out, and we'll go into this. They hand out the spot-on flea and chick products, yep. which are absolutely poisonous. Now, imagine if you wanted to kill your cockroaches. You could take some old sponges that you threw in the laundry room, and take uh, them out. They're all dried up, and soak them with cockroach-killing juice. You know, some think bought it. I know the, the hardware store, and then you put it around the house, and the cockroaches walk on them. And they do walk on them, but they don't die on the sponge. You know, they die way over by the baseboard in another room, but they, they're dead. That's great. And some of them don't even die. Maybe they make it away. Well, now you take this stuff and you dab it on your dog, okay, to kill the fleas and ticks. And some of it works for three months. Some of it works for a month. And a lot of it starts to work in 20 minutes, they brag. It can be oral or it can be spot on. And what you're doing is you are making your dog into a poison yes. soap sponge wow. but the minute a flea or chick bites your dog it gets a little bit of that blood which is circulating with that poison through all of his organs every second of every minute of every day he drops dead before he can even complete his bite that's how poisonous it is and you say well that should be healthy for my dog even though it does that to the fleas and ticks and it's not the environmental protection agency dr debosi they did all this research on this stuff i'm not going to go into it in this call because we don't have enough time but the thing is that the chance of your dog getting cancer is already one and two or one and three, and this seven times it on top of that because it's, it's just toxic, and there are natural things that work, but veterinarians hand that stuff out. They give vaccinations every single year. They ask you to come in with your little card. And by the way, 20, 40, 30 years ago, they were starting to say, please don't do this. We're giving our dogs autoimmune disease. We're giving our dogs allergies. That's why allergies are so prevalent, vaccines, and I can go into that another time. We're giving them all these diseases and one stepper and one parvo vaccine, which is all you have to worry about, and I can do vaccines in detail someday, lasts the dog's entire life. Cats, the same thing for the feline distemper. Wow. But you're called in every year to get it. Yep. So what they're doing is they're promoting business, but they're actually handing out poison all the time. That's the way I feel. Yep. Well, let me tell you, you're talking about medical practice for animals because it's exactly the same thing. Um, and that's the frightening part is that we're taking beings that we care about 
and we're making a business out of them instead of caring for them. And I, and I know that most of the vets that get out probably are discouraged with this, just like many of the docs that get out are discouraged because they now are finding out that they are not able to necessarily think for themselves because they got the system they're supposed to do and a certain amount of income and a certain amount of products that benefits the corporation. And that's probably the most discouraging thing in the world. Exactly. Doctors have become a pawn. Yeah. Of the process and the corporation, yeah. and you know they don't know what to do about it. And veterinarians, you know, if they if they say, well, they told me at school that dogs don't need all these vaccines, they'll be told, you want your paycheck? That's right. Every every Absolutely. week, and those cards have to go out, and those people have to come in. It used to be medicine. It used to be. I mean, when I was a kid, the doctor came to your house. Mm-hmm. My mother made sure there were clean towels in the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, That's right? right, he was a nice he was a nice guy. You know. And it was very real. Yep. And, and if you had a baby, you stayed in the hospital for a couple of weeks so you could be taken care of. It's a very interesting thing because it's like a machine and it shoots yep. out this toxic medication for everybody. Nobody's thinking. I, I have clients. I used to have clients that went to Switzerland for the yearly exam because the Swiss actually do everything right. And they really check things out. And they do preventive care. And they were totally willing to pay for this. How because here it's not. It's a, it's a money machine. Medicine yep. has become a money machine. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I... Boy, do I get it. It makes all the sense in the world. But let me say this much. In, in the, um, and I can only talk on the human side, but uh, those practitioners that have gone your way, that are, because are, uh, I'm an acupuncturist, clinical nutritionist, herbologist, et cetera, myself, uh, and we've talked about that, the bottom line is I don't really worry about whether I'm going to have patients. They're clamoring for this type of practice, and the reason they are is simply because they don't want to go the other way because it isn't working. Well, for their dogs, and their cats, they don't know any different. And because the cat and dog can't say, gosh, I'm pretty queasy every time I take that. And every time you spray me with that, it is very, very difficult. And I, th- I think that vets that move towards your type of care programs are never going to have a problem with whether they have business or not. And I think the more vets that figure that out, I think the better they'll do. And that's very true. And that's actually why I wrote my book. I wrote my book so it's a global navigation system sort of for people with dogs because they get confused. They, they, many people have a couple of vets. They'll have a holistic vet that's a long conventional. You love your animals so much, and it, it tears at your heartstrings. It's almost different than your husband or your kids. I can't really explain it. But you know, I had people, when I was in Pennsylvania and I had my physical practice, I had people coming from five or six states around me. I sure. Mean, there are very few people haven't traveled an hour each way to see me, some two hours. Some rented a condo near me. Yep. Wow. The thing is that, they would never have done this for themselves or their children. No. But they did it for their dogs. But the thing is that they don't know who to trust. And when, 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 you know, I, when, I, when I started doing the consult practice and I wasn't there physically anymore, there were people who cried for a week or a weekend because they didn't know who to trust with their, with their pets. And the thing is that you, you want to trust the person, you're given advice, but you don't know how to discern what's going on. So I wrote my book so we could have smarter wiser pet owners so that when you now that book is for dogs my next book that's coming out is allergies for both dogs and cats it's at the Mm. publisher now well it's getting this first edit but the thing is that they don't know how to think and this book was made to make you think so that you can actually think with things so that when someone tells you something you can make a wise decision you know and and you're really able to do that and so many people read that book and say oh dr carlson you have you have just 
been my guiding light. And then the back of it has a fix-it section. So, like, there are people with dogs, as an example, with anal gland problems. It's endless. They're always going to the vet. They're suggesting removing them surgically, which Correct. can mm-hmm. cut through the anal sphincter muscle yep. and make the dog incontinent. The surgery goes wrong. And there's a homeopathic remedy and the old-fashioned Epsom salts cures it in a gif. So what I did in the fix-it section was put really good things for common problems that I know will work. 99.9% of the time. And then people have common sense medicine, which, which seems to have gone, you know, it seems to have been, the baby seems to have been thrown away with the bathwater. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, and I spent a fair amount of time in the back of the book looking at all of the references that you had for Correct. like dog food sources and herbals and things like that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about kind of your perspective on the food side of things? Right. So we've hit a little bit on conditions. We've hit a little bit on herbals and whatever, just in this short time with you today. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious where you where you stand on the the healthy diet um, side of things? Okay, well let's 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 go over a couple things. First, I'll go over prepared food, and then I'll go over the raw food diet craze. Okay. okay. The first thing is prepared dog foods have a lot of ingredients in them which are very unsavory, particularly the brands that you see in the normal supermarket. I'm not going to mention a name, but they're the ones that spend gazillions on advertising on the TV you know, and in magazines and things like that. And they have unsavory ingredients, and then they're highly processed by heating them to incredible temperatures and then compressing them. And this is very unhealthy for an animal. That's number one. Okay, it's not good. There are dog food companies that actually don't highly compress their food and they oven bake it. So it's not highly compressed. It's not highly heated. There's one, there's one called Farmina, which I like right now because it's from Europe and all the meat is sourced from Europe, which means it doesn't have all the growth hormones and antibiotics mm-hmm. in it. Okay. And no one ever thinks about that. And, uh, and then it also gets uh, vegetables that are fresh, and the vitamins are from Belgium, and they're added afterwards, and it's not highly heated or highly compressed. Uh, so that's my favorite food at this point in time, mostly because the meat comes from, from Europe. Now, what we have is this fat on raw food diets, and a lot of holistic vets are totally into it. Um, I am not, and there's a number of reasons for that. First of all, they say that dogs are just like wolves, and dogs are not just like wolves. You can't imagine how fast DNA changes with generations. And I'm not just talking about bacteria or viruses. I'm talking about animals, you know, existing mammals. Mm-hmm. Dogs have been with us for 65 million years. Wolves have not. Their pack structure is different. Their behavior is different. And by the way, most you, we could say our genes are 99% the same as a pig or a rat, and that's true. But the fact is that that 1% makes the big difference. Mm-hmm. And dogs actually make salivary enzymes that digest carbohydrates, unlike wolves. Mm-hmm. One is much like a cow's, and one is much like people's. And a, a researcher in Norway, um, and I don't have the exact place he was or the name at this point in time, you know, found this out, and that was followed up. So dogs can digest carbohydrates, and that makes sense. Because dogs ate what we ate for all these generations. That's right. Mm-hmm. But depending on who their owners were and how rich they were and how wealthy they could provide uh, how, and how well they could provide a meal was the fare they ate. So that's number one. Number two, when you eat protein, you, me, or anybody, that meat or poultry or fish goes to the gut, and when it digests, it has side, it has side products. And the side products are ammonia and sulfur. And the ammonia has to be neutralized. And so what we do, all of us, is we take our body's bicarb stores and we dump it into the gut in order to neutralize that. And what happens is we make our bodies acidic because we've just lost what makes our bodies basic. We've Mm -hmm. dumped it into the gut to deal with the meat that we've eaten. Now, what does pH actually mean? Until I began lecturing, I had passed all my tests in medical school and didn't exactly know. pH is how oxygenated the tissue is. An alkaline pH is an oxygenated pH. 
An acidic pH is a non-oxygenated pH, and that's why acidic pHs are fermentative. That's why cancer, yeast, fungus, bacteria likes to grow in an acidic pH. So with feeding our dogs all raw meat or lots of raw meat and not much else and not alkalinizing foods or alkalinizing fruits or vegetables, what happens is they have to dump their bicarb stores. Their bodies get very acidic. In addition, all this raw meat that they're eating is filled in the United States with growth hormone, which accelerates cancer growth like you can't believe, hmm. filled with antibiotics, which they give to the animals not to save them from disease, but to make them get fatter, faster, because antibiotics make you fat. And there's a whole story about how the gut works with that, with probiotics and everything. And so what happens is we're feeding them tons of this meat, and we're wondering why they're all still getting cancer and they're not doing as well. Plus, it's A, very expensive to do that. B, a lot of times the meat that's given for animals is the stuff that isn't fit for humans. C, yes, people can buy organic meat for their animals, but that's just really pricey if you have a big dog. And so it's a fad, just like um, the what you call diet, the... Um, Oh, the paleo diet paleo is diet, a fad. Right. People never ate that way. Any any anthropologist will tell you that. People never ate in that manner. Man never, never ate that way, but everyone is buying it, that the paleo diet is the way to go. So diets tend to go faddishly. Remember, everyone used to be macrobiotic. I mean, if you're old enough to remember, yep. right? Mm -hmm. it, it will change, but giving a wrong – and what, you, what happens is we're giving dogs vaccines that, that increase cancer rate. We're spraying our lawns with stuff that they run through. And there's studies on it. I'm not just saying it. There's all kinds of studies that increase like cancer rate, particularly bladder cancer, yeah. lawn sprays. Right. We're giving them the spot-on products that increase cancer, and then we're feeding them tons of meat that have growth hormone in it in the United States. You know, Europe won't buy our meat. Right. Canada won't buy our meat because right. of this. But growth hormone accelerates the growth of cancer. So I don't believe in a raw food diet. I believe, yes, raw meat is fine. Although but nowadays it's getting a lot of resistant bacteria in it because of all the antibiotics they feed. Right. But raw meat is fine, but you have to supplement it with vegetables that have phytochemicals, phytonutrients, and all kinds of things. I actually designed a vitamin called Canine Everyday Essentials, which is sold by my company, which is called Deserving Pets. And what I have on that site are really cool things that really work well. I don't have much, and I... And it takes me six months to load something that I think is great oftentimes. <laughs> In fact, I have your I have your probonics on it, and I, you know, because it's, it's the one probiotic that I actually believe in. Um, but I the thing is, is that, that um, oh, yeah, go ahead, right? But the thing is that um, I forgot where I was. Oh, I developed this vitamin. Um, edit out. I forgot where I was. Wait. I developed this vitamin yeah. that has is microencapsulated so it doesn't oxidize because, uh, you know, things oxidize all the time. Right. No one yeah. understands. You cut a banana, you cut an apple, sure. give it an hour on your counter. It's the same thing with your vitamins. You have your B vitamins. After a week, they're a funny color and they smell sort of off. Yep. You've lost mm -hmm. a lot of the, the power and punch of it because it's oxidized. So they're microencapsulated to save all the ingredients. And they have all of them. They have dandelion and they have broccoli and kale and all this stuff in it so that the dogs and cats will eat it because it's microencapsulated and coated, and it actually is sort of helping to fill in that void, this huge void we have in our pets. I mean, it's all human-grade. It's very expensive to make, to get human-grade and then, and then microencapsulate it and then flavor it with all-natural you know, uh, powder uh, that's organic, that's from the liver. But still... The dogs and cats shine on it, and you can see the difference, and that That's makes great. that makes yeah. a difference. Yeah. That's well, great. I and I, I'm telling you, I no being someone who has made over 100, 180 of my own products and uh, carry them my own lines. 
the truth is um, I realize how difficult it was to find a manufacturer, find your raw materials, and be able to put that together in a way that you could conscientiously feel good about putting it out in the market. So I really get that, and I have a lot of respect for that effort because that is not it's easy. Not easy yeah. Oh, my gosh. It makes that, it's such, such a tough tough thing, and you know that because you've probably been yeah. searching forever. It was a shock to me because as a doctor, everything has to be right, the yep. correct the correct blood test has to be in the correct folder. You know, the person has to come in on time for the appointment. The things have to be on the shelf that you need. And when I watched how inefficient, and I had to send it to three different places yep. mm-hmm. because I had to, I have to leave the, the the basic formulating company and go to the micro encapsulating company, yep. and then it has to go to the packaging company. Right. Well, I, I I now give so much leeway to make stuff up. Because the, the the lack of organization, yeah. and 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 like do you it right it. was was dumb. And I thought, is this the way the world works when you're not in the medical field? It because is. all my patients would be dead if I worked this way. <laughs> they would be. Oh, and and also when all of a sudden they just don't have one of the materials, they just don't tell you. It's like uh, oh, where's our stuff? Well, two months later, and well, we don't yep. have that. Well, did you ever think about sending me an email or call me? Well. No. We were going okay. to, but but uh, we just didn't get around to it. I said, oh, good. Now I've got all these people that need all those things, and I can't get them to them. And I have to explain that you just decided not to call me. I, it's very nice of you. <laughs> it's, it is unbelievable, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> it's like it's like I guess they're getting paid a salary, and yeah. the stuff gets fluffed through um, no matter what eventually. And, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you lose a customer, you lose a customer, but then you have to go find someplace else. And they're going to be just as bad too. 100%. Anyway, we're catching. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. But you're you're 100 right. But it's also a, a, it's an appropriate conversation, is because you know whether you're looking at your dog vitamins uh, or cat vitamins or your human vitamins, the truth is, uh, you have just cited one of the primary problems with uh, the quality, or I uh, should I say the large lack of quality that's actually on the marketplace. So when you can find something, you know that actually someone's put the time, effort, and uh, accountability into that's a big deal. So I think it's a it, a worthy topic matter to be honest with you. Well, it's true, and you know, there's something called bioavailability. Mm-hmm. You know, or mm-hmm. uh, and and what happens is you can go to the store and see. Let's say you want cranberry pills. You have a urinary tract infection, right. and there's a bottle for two ninety five, and there's a bottle for twelve ninety five, and they both say they have five hundred milligrams. Mm-hmm. But if the bioavailability of the cranberry in the two ninety five bottle is twenty percent. And the bioavailability in the bottle that's twelve ninety five is eighty percent. Right. It's yep. a different story. Yeah. And also, how is it prepared? I mean, look at you know everybody buys omega threes. There's two things that everybody buys. If they're buying probiotics that are not your probiotics, they're flushing their money down the toilet. Thank if you. If they're buying omega threes, they're flushing omega threes down the toilet. The reason that we have to buy them is because they're so fragile. So if you have omega threes in food, all they have to do is look. I get a, get a gander of light, oxygen, or heat, and they're dead. Yep. So what happens is you get these omega threes just in the processing, just in the processing of them. Yep. Um, you actually lose fifty. They give you a certificate of analysis. Yep. And then people say, why don't you have omega threes in your vitamin? I said I could say I would, but even if it was micro encapsulation, I would. By the time they toss it around to micro encapsulate it, or by the time they stuck it in a tablet, it's hit enough oxygen to destroy a significant portion of it. Correct. I know one guy that packages his Resvantage, his it's called Resveratrol, at Pfizer. I said, why are you packaging it at Pfizer? He said because they have a room that they fill with nitrogen. 
Sure. And then all the stuff goes in there, and the machine just does it in this nitrogen-filled room. So the stuff never hits oxygen because if resveratrol hits oxygen, then um, it just loses everything. Yep. And that was interesting because I was looking at dogs being treated for lymphosarcoma with resveratrol, and they got a powder from China. They were given to dog 3,000 milligrams a day. But in this one, they were giving a dog 30 or 300 would work yep. because the one from China lost everything. Correct. It was just functional. Yeah. It was actually a, it was yep. act, actually an active unit. So and and that justifies the idea of eating quality foods that are from good sources, et cetera, et cetera. And as you know, fighting that in the United States is another war. Mm -hmm. And I wish that there was enough uh, momentum on that um, to actually make a change. And God willing, it will. And hopefully, I mean, your book uh, allows then an average person to have an animal to review and look for ways to be able to help their pet and honestly um, uh, have a different pathway for their animal and also choose that pathway based upon good content. So I'm telling you, the book is fabulous. Yeah. We, we love it. And feel safe and comfortable with the choices they're making. Absolutely. Yeah. Which Absolutely. is important. One last thing I'll just mention, because maybe you'll edit something out so you get this half hour, but <laughs> do you know that when dinosaurs roamed the Earth, there was 53% oxygen in the air? And in 1953, there was 39% oxygen. The last time I looked, there was 21, and then I glanced again, there was 19%. So what happens is we're not breathing in as much oxygen, but additionally, we sit all the time in front of computers and Correct. things. I mean, dinosaurs moved. So they moved in this high-oxygen environment, and they oxygenated their bodies by movement, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And there weren't all these toxins. Correct. Now everyone has to strive for health. Yep. They actually have to work toward health. They have to make it a quest because we're sitting in a less oxygenated environment. We're eating more poison substances. We're exposed to all kinds of things, including, you know, pulses from all the cell phones and everything. And you actually have to work at staying healthy or else you're going to be this happy, you know, 55-year-old who lives at your doctor's office. That's, that's basically the way it is. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. It's on the human, the animal side. We're all fighting. But I will tell you that your book gives uh, dog lovers a chance uh, that I have not seen in any other book. So we want you to know that we think it's a fabulous book. We pray that we'll be able to have you back on the program. Just I have a whole got list a million, of topics. Yeah, we just, we're just making <laughs> questions for the next time. And we, we just want you to know we appreciate your time. I loved being on the show, loved being with the two of you, and you guys have a great day. Okay, so thank much. you so much. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 